This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome to our show. We're very happy to have you here tonight or this morning or whenever you may be listening, because there is an awful lot of local soccer news to discuss, in particular, the U.S. Open Cup draw on Friday. We will talk about that. That is obviously the star of the show, but if you want to hear that, we're going to make you wait for it a little bit. We're going to discuss the two teams in question. We're going to talk about their performance over this weekend. And again, there's a lot of meat on that bone too. So let's get right into it. Let's, uh, I'm Matthew Bunch. I don't know if I introduced myself. Might be a little bit rusty. Um, I'm here with Omar Mubayed. How you doing, Omar? November 26, 2021. That was the day of episode 94. Today is episode 95. So we've gone a good six months dead air. I don't know. Having kids is rough, man. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, this, no whole, this whole being a dad yeah. thing is very time-consuming. takes it's away wee, from my hobbies. It's a wee bit tricky. At this pace, we'll hit 100 by, what, like 2030? Maybe by the close of the decade? It'll be our intro to the FIFA World Cup 2026. Ah, yes. Uh, also with us uh, tonight, Franco Caliz. Franco, how you doing, pal? Good, good, good. Uh, I've been bothering Omar that we should record another podcast since November 27, 2021. So it's, it's good <laughs> to be back on air at this point. Uh, a you great know what? Victory. Then you and Lee should have just been doing them the whole time. I don't know what to tell <laughs> you. Right. Right. I can't understand a, a word that Welshman says, but that's a beautiful <laughs> anthem. I'm all in. So anyway, let's uh, think global, but talk local. Let's talk about the local scene and let's start. Uh, we're recording on the night of the ninth. Uh, both games happening today. Um, we're going to start with the earlier game. We'll start with Inter Miami. And uh, I got to say uh, an impressive result, uh, a victory for Inter Miami at home against the New England Revolution. Um, uh, I was uh, quote tweeted by our Twitter account saying that uh, I, I was the Oracle uh, and I was wrong uh, because uh, that game did not have a 3-2 Inter Miami victory written on it as far as I could read it. But um, they rewrote the script and it was pretty great. Franco, you were out at the scene. Uh, why don't you tell us about the game and, and tell us what you saw? I saw a team that uh, had no Gonzalo Higuain and looked significantly better because of it. Ouch. Um, you know, no, I mean, it's not a shot at Gonzalo. He, he, um, look, he's been a great player, but he's old. Right? Like, I mean, I'm a Manchester, I'm a Manchester United fan. I, I watch Cristiano Ronaldo. I love that he's home. He's still old too. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but in fairness, he's not Andrea Pirlo at New York City FC, just staying within the center circle and just passing, mind you, beautifully, but just not leaving the center circle as he just sends balls all across the pitch. Yeah, but I, I do think that um, Iguain's absence obviously com- created the space for Campana to have the first hat-trick in Inter-Miami's history tonight, or today, I should say. Uh, it was hot as heck, so I can no longer remember anything that happened before six o'clock. <laughs> I get blacked out at this point. By but, the way, um, if you have a Campana hat trick betting slip, you need to send it to at Magic City Soccer on Twitter because, uh, yeah, I, we we want to see it. We want to see who who's the degenerate who bet on the Campana hat trick tonight, and and who now owns uh, a twenty percent share of Inter Miami CF with that with that bet <laughs> coming in. Yeah, that was my thought. If yeah, there you know there were some folks I saw on Twitter discuss like you know. Um, you know, they proved you wrong. Like they showed they can win. And all I can think of was like, look, if you came into this match saying that, yeah, you know what? Miami will win this match and Campano will be the goal scorer and score three times. Yeah. Good for you. You, 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 you really had that one marked down perfectly, but 
I don't think you had that one booked in Vegas. I don't think that's exactly what you had in mind with this match. But let me tell you, it, it was someone had quite a show. If someone had told me that before the match, Matt, I I would have told them they were smoking some wacky tobacco because <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's been rough. I mean, like you know, we're we're out there every week. Um, and yes, they scored. They basically score a goal uh, every week, but they usually concede three. They did the same thing against Cincinnati. Yes. The same thing against Houston. Uh, you know, against Austin, they decided they would be extra generous and give up five. <laughs> so it's it's just it's been a little a, a little rough as an Inter Miami fan. Um, but I yeah, I just I, the thing that I couldn't get over is because the second goal was completely in a counterattack. The third goal was a scrappy inside the box thing that Ewan maybe would have gotten into the right position for. But there was real wing play, and it looked like there were um, there was just it was just a much more mobile front um, front three really. Um, and it allowed for an ability to to actually have pace in the attack, which is the thing that you've been desperately needing. I think I said this the last time I was on here six, seven months ago, which was just, hey, look, Iguain, fantastic player, phenomenal player over the course of his career. But I'm not sure that his style ever fit Miami's needs, right? And the fact that today he's he's out, he, his father is out there saying he's going to retire at the end of the season, and you immediately see a hat trick by, by a striker, I mean, like for for Inter Miami, it just it shows the, a little bit of how he's holding us back. Again, if you're if you're one of these teams who is looking to make a splash with a with a big name, I just think you got to find someone who's going to fit into that system. You know, I know Insignia, for example, to me is one of those big names who can fit into a, into a system. And we've seen MLS do this a couple times where they can do this. Iguain just it, it, he's he's run his race. Last year, his brother retired. This year, he's likely to retire. Um, you know, I, I, the one thing I would say though is um, the I can't get over how bad Inter Miami center backs are, and it, it just it keeps happening match after match after match. You keep praying to God that they that they can throw on enough defenders, and and Gregory is basically putting in a shift for about three different players every match. Um, the uh, the Jamaican international at the back, uh, Low, today gave up a penalty. He's he's just a liability at the back every single match. That was harsh, though. That was a harsh decision. I it, I, I want to give him a little bit of cover because I, I don't think he covered himself in glory for 90 minutes. But at the same time, I think that that that, that was that could have very easily gone a different way it if another ref is calling it. He's a walking yellow card every match. He picked one up against Cincinnati. I believe he picked one up against Houston as well. Um, today, he gave up the penalty. A soft penalty, yes, but but he's just it's 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 there every single match, you know. He puts himself um, in bad positions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just seems like there's not much uh, there's not much improvement that I've seen on him or with him since those first couple of games. Um, I do think Inter has had a little bit of bad luck, and I'll be honest, I thought we were going to have some of that um, today when we hit the post in like the third minute or so. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, I'm I'm glad that it that it came around and that uh, they finally picked up a win this season. God, it's been brutal. Um, so. It's good to good to try to start climbing out of the cellar. I've stayed notably quiet throughout this conversation because I admittedly have not watched much of Inter Miami, uh, really in this 2022 campaign. But obviously, the big splash of the off season really was the acquisition of DeAndre Yedlin. Where would you rate DeAndre Yedlin so far? Because he seems like he's fitting in with the club okay, but I think the problems are and the backline are too big for him just to solve on his own. 
Yeah, you're asking him to cover for three guys at this point, right? <laughs> uh, like it's it's a little rough. And, and remember, you've had um, Breck Shea, who's been suspended for some of these matches after his red card. What was it, three games ago? And now, um, yeah. So my God, that, if you that's right, I you know it, it's one of those things where I know Breck Shea was still with the club. I forgot that he was suspended. But if you're telling me you have Breck Shea on one wing and you have DeAndre Yedlin on the other, I feel like it's a 2010 U.S. Men's National <laughs> Team's like just wet dream. You know what I mean? Like holy shit! If you can never get use the words wet dream around me, I'd be pretty happy with that. But <laughs> I'll just say that DeAndre DeAndre I think has bedded in pretty well. Um, definitely showed a little bit of rustiness in his first match coming back from the match with the U.S. Men's National Team. I thought he was significantly better today. I also thought he was a little bit more, I don't know what the word might be here, controlled today. He didn't come forward nearly as much, um, you know, held his position a little bit more. I thought it was it was usually helpful, actually. Um, look, I love seeing a, a, a fullback just rampaging down the wing. Um, but I, I do think that there's there's a time and a place for it. DeAndre's tr- still trying to find that balance. Um, I think... Ultimately, you're what six matches into to his time with the with the team. He's still trying to find his feet on it, and you can tell sometimes. But the quality is there. I think he's good. He helps lock down that side of the defense. Um, you know, it, it will we'll see what it turns out to long term. I know you were. You, this was the first time that you you had your your heart tugged at by Inter Miami was with, with his signing. Um, he's a fascinating character. Uh, so, you know, we're, we, we need to get, uh, Deandre on the, on the pod, but yeah, no, he's, he's, uh, he's one of those who I think has, has done pretty well, go, um, as he's come in, I think sometimes he relies on his pace and, and we've seen this historically with him he relies on his pace to get him, um, out of trouble whenever he's out of position, but he's been, he's been pretty solid all around. Yedlin would be the second U S men's national team player to be on this pod and the third U S youth national team player to be on this pod. So DeAndre, it's an open invite, man. We're, we're, I'm happy to talk <laughs> Seattle with you. Let, let's do it. As Franco mentioned, he tugged on the heartstrings, the old Xbox jerseys. Love to see it. Yeah, you know, I have to say, I, kind of watching the match today, uh, the, the TV perspective, you, you mentioned the, the, the free kick off the post very early on, I think the third or fourth minute maybe by Jean Mota, and uh, uh, thinking that that was a... Um, um, uh, a bad omen. I actually thought that was, that, that was me. That kind of caused me to sit up in my chair a little bit and, um, and, and say, yeah, that was, that was a hell of a shot from kind of a difficult position to even really get it close to frame. And I was like, okay, we're in this game. You know, they've got a shot at it. Let's see. And then they immediately give up a goal. The, the first goal was the one where I was like, oh, okay, well that dream is dead. But I gotta, I gotta say, I'm really impressed. I, I know that new England has been a little bit slow to start, but it is important to remember these were the, the point total leaders last season in MLS. They were a hell of a team. They have a hell of a coach. Um, and to get the win from them, it's something, you know, and, and that is, I mean, it's their first win of the season. There has literally not been anything like this in 2022, but just over the last two and a half years, there haven't been a lot of these wins like this, a comeback win, um, a, a grinded out win as you, you, uh, I think Franco, you tweeted out the idea that they really worked and, and just had to really put in the work to seal it off. And they did. You know, anytime you're giving up, uh, 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 you're giving up that early goal. Normally, you're 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 chasing so hard. They did it well. They got those two goals quickly, and they really held on. I I, I have to say, I, I think that the club should be very pleased with itself tonight. It is a starting point. It is certainly nothing to rest your laurels on. 
but it is at least a, it's a, it's a launching pad. You're not off the pad yet, but it is something to hopefully get your season launched properly. So looking ahead at inner Miami, you now have to make the cross continental trip to Seattle and play on the road at the sound. I mean, what, what do you do there? Or what do you, you know, and then, and then yeah, we're going to get into it in just a minute, but then you got to come home, play an open cup match. That's, that's not, that's, that's not easy. That, that's a lot of miles to be putting on those legs and those bodies. I've got two words for you. If, if I'm in charge, scheduled loss. Um, and, you know, I mean, you've had enough unscheduled losses that one more isn't going to hurt you that bad. Um, to me, this, this just has a, uh, uh, you know, get in, get out, get on with your life uh, feel to it. I know it's a national game. It's in Seattle and, and I'm, you're going to want to get up for that. And of course, but man, it's, that's, that's, that's a hell of a lift. You've already got some points here. You got those home points. You should feel good about it in the Eastern conference. I, the expectations have to be so low for that match. Uh, and yeah, if you get a point out of it, it's awesome. And if you can pull off the win, that's great. But uh, if, if my mindset going into that, I mean, obviously you wouldn't tell the players and then I'm sure they'll be scratching and clawing as hard as they can. But I, I just, I can't imagine anything else but a loss for Miami in that one. Well, I'm not surprised to hear you being ever optimistic in your own way there. Um, but I will <laughs> say, look, Let's not, let's not sleep on the fact that Seattle has a second leg CONCACAF Champions League match against New York City three days before. So I, I doubt we'll see their, their A team either, quite honestly, on this one. Um, and I think that there will be some level of overconfidence on, on the Seattle side, just given the fact that they too will, will say, Oh, well, this is three points in the back. This is the worst team in the Eastern Conference, right? Um, so look. Do I think it's a very hard uh, match? Yes, you got Lodato Moore, Jordan Morris on the on, on the Sounders. Um, do I think it's impossible to think, see a, a way for Miami to 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 get at least a point out of this? No, and and honestly, given where the team is right now, given how young a lot of the team is, um, you know th- that that feels like an achievable goal to me. Um, I, I don't know why you would ever go, go into a game with a young team and say, Hey, like this is a scheduled loss, you know? Um, Freddie uh, Montero's back, baby. They got Freddie Montero after eight years of being away. Uh, dude, you just, you got to bring out some of the old guns. What was, what was it? Freddie Lumberg, big Freddie Lumberg on the field, Seattle. I mean, I Hey, mean, we, we played Josie Altador. He looked like, he looked like me. He looks like he's eating 10 cheeseburgers too many. Whoa. Hey, there. that's that. I will not stand for Josie. Altador. Uh, I love Josie. He's, he's built like a brick bastard, house, but he, he a little bit big. He a little bit big. He a big boy. You know what I'm saying? So, so, uh, oh, there goes our chance like, of getting a little in the podcast. You son of a <laughs> He looks like, uh, he looks like Iguain after, after, after uh, the first season, the, the first off season here in Miami, <laughs> but I'll, I'll just say, um, look, uh, you've got players who are really promising for for Inter Miami, who maybe you also give a chance to Noah Allen, who I thought re- did really really well last week, gets into really good positions, knows how to find the little pockets of space. Um, look, it, it, it's a team that's Emerson Rodriguez and the way he's betting into the team, and you saw a little bit of it today. Um, you're you're. I don't want to discount the fact that sometimes, and, and you know, my uh, the greatest manager in British football history, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, will tell you this. Uh, Bill Shankly, you mean? No, no, Sir Alex. Bill Shankly, you mean? I, I know that Liverpool fans can't read sometimes, so just Sir Alex <laughs> Ferguson. Um, so I will just say he. I love one of his quotes, which says, 
that with when you when you have experienced players you know they'll they'll go find the gate but sometimes when you have young players they don't know any better and they're hungry so they'll climb over the fence instead that's what i think you're getting with a player like alan that's what i think you're seeing out of rodriguez right now send them out there you're telling me you have nothing to lose go enjoy your football have fun the pressure's on the home team instead and franco i think that was kind of my the optimistic side of my point was that when i say scheduled loss in my head that's what i'm thinking and if I'm managing, I'm putting out a young team, one, because I want to keep the Open Cup tie with what I think is my my top player so I can go in and take care of business if I'm inter. But at the same time, I want that uh, too young to know any better attitude. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it can actually work not only as a way to kind of keep your powder dry for the Open Cup match, but then also <laughs> potentially put you in a better position to come out with a result that you would never expect. I think it can be a win-win. And if it doesn't, then it doesn't. But what were you going to expect anyway? But I I do think it is potentially an opportunity to trip over yourself and wind up getting a result that under normal circumstances, you actually would probably have a worse chance of getting. (laughs) Ta-da. Speechless, he agrees. Moving on. Yes. So, uh, Omar, let's talk about the the other side of uh, the equation here. The Miami FC, uh, they wrapped up their match literally five minutes ago as we're talking. And speaking of a uh, a rather impressive result, we have another win. The rare double victory for South Florida soccer in our pro leagues uh, tonight, uh, April 9th, 2022. As uh, the Miami FC seals a 1-0 victory over the dreaded evil empire of the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Uh, quite a win. Uh, you look at the numbers, um, not something you would have expected. Uh, 35% possession for Miami, uh, 65, 66% possession for Tampa Bay. They had 14 shots, only two of them on target though. Um, uh, Tampa Bay did. Uh, it was what you normally expect from Tampa Bay in terms of their ability to control play, but they could not find the back of the net and Miami FC were able to, and they get to bring the three points back over the Tamiami trail. Uh, you had your eye on this match very closely. Uh, what'd you see? I mean, it's not that Tampa couldn't find the back of the net. It's that Tampa couldn't even find the frame to begin with. I mean, you take 15 shots and eight of them are off target. Only two are forcing Connor Sparrow to make a save. And let's, let's give it up for Connor Sparrow coming back into the, coming back into the mix uh, after have, suffering an injury and having to take some time off. And all of a sudden now, back up to his form from from last season and, and whatnot and and a very improved back line it almost looks like in from him as well with great additions and aiden stanley and, and segbers as well um you know miami fc's hurt miami fc's missing a couple guys you know that are normal pieces of the cog especially in callum chapman page who got to play maybe 15 minutes in reserve and had to come off so it's very it's it's a usually a bad situation when the guys you're bringing on at halftime then have to come off before the end of the match for another injury. And, you know, we, we've seen it globally, for example, with the Gio Reyna situation and, you know, Miami, Miami FC is suffering of that a little bit in of their, in and of them themselves. Ooh, can't speak. It's been a few years since we've did a plot, I feel like. Um, but, you know, it's an excellent win for Miami FC. You did exactly what you had to do. You stayed in your defensive shape. You forced Tampa Bay to have to play an uncomfortable game and you got the lucky break goal in Pierre de Silva in the 51st minute on the rebound. And that's exactly set up perfectly as well by Joshua Perez. Because Perez is able to take the shot, force the keeper to make a really difficult save. 
robbed of a goal, some might say, right? And then have Pierre de Silva go ahead and find the back of the net on that rebound. It's just the way you need to draw it up. You needed to go into Tampa and take points. Look, Miami has not had an easy start to the season by any means, right? If you look at their schedule and you go down the list since March 12th, you got a 2-0 win against New York Red Bulls too. That's a game you should win. Fine, you bagged the three points there. You had to go on the road to Louisville City FC, top of the East, and a perennial contender for USL East champions. You know, again, 2-0 loss on the road. The surprising one may have been that 0-0 draw against Luton United, which last couple of years we look at Luton United and say, yeah, whatever, dude is Luton. Like, come on, go get the three points, like, especially at home. Well, you know, that game was kind of weird, and Luton is a mid-table team as we speak right now. You take the loss at home against Colorado Springs and Colorado Springs, guess what? Sit at the top of the West. So all of a sudden now, you know, as the schedule starts becoming a little bit lighter here for Miami FC, now you've got a surprise win against Tampa. Piggy that back off of a clean performance against Miami United, which is not something that any of us expected in that open game. And now all of a sudden we're seeing that machine, that, that you know, Anthony Poulos's machine, really ramping up here and we're trying to see now what this new iteration of Miami FC 3.0 if you will is going to look like moving forward yeah I mean it's been true of Miami FC basically since the the club's inauguration in 2016 if you if you find the goalkeeper and get them settled uh, between the pipes you're going to have a shot with with this team because if they don't have it settled at the back Things fall apart very quickly, uh, you know, going all the way back to Indio Vega, right? Um, and Sparrow has done a really, really good job when he's been healthy of kind of keeping up that tradition of solid goalkeeper play. And when he's not, again, and it's true of any team, you know, I guess they're not that special in that sense. But things when, when you don't have the keeper sorted, things tend to fall apart. And if they can get Sparrow in, in feeling comfortable, feeling healthy, feeling good, uh, it changes a lot for them. But the, the the good news looking at the league is well I guess the bad news is they like you said they have the, the loss to Louisville kind of expected that draw against Loudon unexpected it's lousy, it, it's lousy. let's say the lousy the draw to Loudon is lousy you're at home you need to take point you need to take three points against Loudon United who's a team that you really shouldn't be worrying about taking points you know losing points to especially at home if you yeah. want to bag a one nil boring game win bag the one nil boring game win that's fine right and no it's not Loudon United I'm going to call it Loudon United I already see Franco in his little box <laughs> over there so it's Loudon no it's, that's why it's Louisville not Louisville right so at the same time that I just you look at some of those matches and you say okay lazy but you know what again this is one of those things where the one of the weird parts is that you don't notice it in the red bulls game because again you know new york red bulls is not going to be a team that you're focusing on here in the usl championship but you start looking at the other games and and you start thinking okay something's off the team's a little bit off and you realize this is another year with a huge roster overhaul right new coaching staff bringing in their guys very few carryovers coming in from years past with coach Paul Dalglish and all of a sudden now you're realizing okay the chemistry starting to get there these guys are realizing where they are on the pitch they know where to go and you know I, I understand it's a division two versus division four you know th- there is a gulf of talent between Miami FC and Miami United, but you saw that chemistry and you saw that cohesion in playing that open cup match on Wednesday. And we've also seen before, and Omar, I agree that I think people outside of South Florida that don't know the South Florida soccer history would say, well, why are you drawing anything from Miami FC, Miami United? 
And what I would say is you don't know anything about that game then, um, because I don't think any one of us foresaw the the clinical fa- fashion in which that game was handled by Miami FC, because we've seen the golf before. We've seen these two teams where on paper Miami FC is scheduled to roll them over and it becomes a 90 minute rock fight and Miami United is alive at the very end. And that was not this. I, I have to say, like you said, the, the league results in tonight, except because tonight is exceptionally good, but the league results have so far been meh, a decided meh, uh, to bad, right? Um, and then that game the other day, I was like, oh, that's, that's new. That's okay. Maybe they have figured out something. Maybe they have, they have put a piece together. And then you see this result against Tampa and it's like, okay, now we're really getting into our stride. And if you can start taking points against Tampa, on the road at Al Lang, that's about as good as you can do in the USL championship. You know what I mean? There's not many I, I bigger, there's not many bigger pelts you can claim uh, than I, that one. And and they just went and did it. And, and it, it wasn't, they didn't throttle them in the traditional sense. They didn't hold the ball for 70% of the match, but TCB, man, they took care of business. They're bringing the points home. And now they have the opportunity to really look ahead at some, some very interesting possibilities. I agree. And I think for people who are not familiar with Miami FC and you're listening to this podcast and you're trying to, which is weird, right? If you found this podcast and you're not familiar <laughs> with Miami FC, like it would be. Th- thank you. Thank you. <laughs> like, rate, and subscribe, please. I appreciate it. But, uh, you know, unlike and then re like and then re rate and resubscribe. No, but I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, okay, we, we worked with the club during the MPSL, during, you know, when the NASL collapsed. And we were there and we experienced those games firsthand. And we've had the conversations when you see the betting window open for these matches and it's a three goal spread and Miami FC is supposed to be, you know, destroying Miami United on the field. And you're looking at a minus three for Miami FC and we all look at each other like, all right, bro, we know where the money's going. Like, let's, let's not, let's not be silly about this, right? We know this is a plus three, you know, you, it's going to be a close game. It's one of those things where this is the first time where I actually thought, okay, this something's weird about this game and there's been a lot of turnover in the roster between both sides Miami United is not what they were two or three years ago because they haven't had to bring in the caliber of players to put Miami FC at bay when Miami FC was stuck in division four and the MPSL right and at the same time now Miami FC has kind of brought in that USL championship caliber player and all of a sudden we're not you know having some carryovers from NASLs who don't want to play in the MPSL or we don't have any carryovers from guys who couldn't get contracts in division two and then had to sit in division four for guaranteed money. So all of a sudden we're seeing now this, like, you know, this evolution of Miami FC 3.0, because this is really the third coach of Miami FC's history, right? It's a young, young club, but you know, we, we Miami FC 1.0 was Nesta. Miami FC 2.0 was, was the brainchild of Paul Dalglish. And we know that there was an interim coach. There was, I don't want to say interim coach. There was Nelson, Val, uh, Nelson, Val, oh God, I forgot his name. He was in there for a cup of coffee and I feel bad because <laughs> he was a great guy, but, um, but Paul Dalglish took the reins right back. And now all of a sudden, now we're seeing, okay, this is Tony Poulos' team. Let's see where this goes. And, you know, we're, we're seeing kind of the idea. We're seeing the philosophy. And, you know, we're maybe we're moving a little way, a little bit away from that attacking, swashbuckling uh, football style that we've been used to for the like last six years and now more into a defensive shell. Um, but, you know, again, that, that seems to be the, 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 the catalyst of South Florida sports. You play good defense, you win championships here. Nelson Vargas. Thank you, Franco. <laughs> yeah, just a little brain fart there. It happens. Um, yeah, and ultimately, 
especially for what they're going to be facing in the next week or so. And I think this is a good opportunity to uh, segue into the discussion of that. Uh, having a solid defensive posture and being able to uh, keep the score sheet low and, and, and drag the game down into the mud a little bit, if need be, is a hell of a skill when you are playing higher level competition as Miami United taught Miami FC plenty over the last half decade. Uh, the Open Cup match we're going to be talking about, though, is the one that honestly has been in the minds of, I think, everyone in this Zoom room and anyone that really cares about South Florida soccer um, forever. The idea that there are two eligible South Florida teams competing in the U.S. Open Cup, professional teams that are going to be facing off in Miami-Dade County is exceptional. Miami FC will be hosting Inter-Miami CF in the U.S. Open Cup on Tuesday, April 19th. I have that date correct. Yes, I want to double check that. That's, yes, that's Tuesday, April 19th, tentative. Yes, yep, but it is possible that it could change. Game time can also change. I think they're they're announcing kickoff at six forty. They did for the last round as well, but the game didn't kick off till about a little past seven. So yeah, we heads in on that. But can we say something, huh? DJ Citizen Jane, huh? With the Jedi mind tricks on Bernie. Did, did anybody else notice this? Did anybody <laughs> else see that those Jedi mind tricks on Bernie, who has a Miami FC tattoo on his leg and now wears pink and black all the time? Okay, bro, I see you. I see you. It's going to be a very interesting combination of factors at the Ricardo Silva Stadium when these two teams meet because there are going to be a lot of faces uh, that have worn the the orange and blue uh, in the stands who have some choices to make. Um, it, it's it's going to be really interesting um, to see if who wears what, <laughs> basically, and how. Um, I can't wait. I just can't wait for this match. Um, and it's one of these things that this is a real opportunity. I think the only people in South Florida that, that aren't excited for this match are folks that train and do their business in Oakland Park, uh, in Fort Lauderdale, because <laughs> this is an enormous headache for inner Miami. If you, you know, if you just, you just want to get out of this thing and not embarrass yourself. And if you can pull that off, it's a win and you just move on and keep whistling down the road. But there's a couple things here that are going to be true. The first match that Inter-Miami CF plays in Miami-Dade County, they will be the visiting team. And that will, <laughs> that will never change. That will never change. Like that, the club, MLS to Miami for real now. You know, and it, it was, it was, it was also true. The first uh, MLS match um, in the post-fusion era Played Miami Dade County, the, featuring an MLS team was Miami FC against Atlanta United, um, and and now this, uh, it is just really interesting, and I think it presents a, an incredible opportunity for Miami FC. And Franco, this goes back to the point I was making about the Seattle game. I think under normal circumstances, MLS teams look at these Open Cup games and and they phone it in a little bit with the expectation that that their the the golf and talent will be able to get them over the line. I think that is an enormous mistake for Inter Miami. I don't think they have earned the comfort level to say, you know what, we can afford to dump the Open Cup this year. It's okay. Because, you know, if, if for, for Miami FC, if you get 10,000 people in that stadium, let's say, and that might be optimistic, it might be pessimistic. I don't know. But say you get 10,000 people and Miami FC wins 2 1, 
you're going to have a lot of people in that stadium wearing pink and black saying, I had to drive all the way to Fort Lauderdale to watch a team that can't even beat a team that plays 10 minutes away from my house, right? That's a real problem. And, and it can present a longer term perception about both clubs. Uh, and I don't think it's going to like all of a sudden sh- massively change the, uh, um, you know, the dynamics of like who's the bigger club and the, the more popular club, the less popular club in town. But it can absolutely be a kind of lifeblood for Miami FC where it really can't be for Inter. Let's all agree that Inter Miami has nothing to win out of this and everything to lose. Oh, let's yeah. also hundred percent. Let's also agree that like even the 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 presentation of this. If you're a Miami FC fan, this is your cup final, and it's cute. Yes, but I'm an Inter Miami fan. I'm, I'm wait. I'm sorry. Wait, what did you say? What was the adjective you put behind that? That it's cute. That's right. Cute, um, cute is calling yourself a a, 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 a club. When you're a franchise and you call yourself Inter Miami and you play in <laughs> fucking Oakland Park off Cypress Creek Boulevard, yeah, that's cute. I get, I get it, but that's see, cute. The Using, thing I was trying say, to use public land, city the land, thing, green, the, the thing, last green space in the city of Miami to build a fucking stadium. That's the thing, cute. The thing that I would just say, as you just heard, is that when you're the big brother, you don't punch down. I don't look at this one. Look down. at this guy. I don't have to stoop Who let down him on here? Down. We're just so letting look. jokers on this podcast. All <laughs> look at this look, guy. Look, I, 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 um, look, I think it's going to be a really interesting and fun matchup. And I'm, I'm a little saddened, actually, Matt, to hear a little bit of what I heard in the last segment where we were talking about how Miami C is a little bit more defensive because I actually thought that that's what made Miami C really fun to watch the last couple of years was their, their ability to attack. And it's actually, that was the contrast last season. Yes. You would go to a Miami C game and you go to an Inter game. Inter was just like scratching, kicking and clawing to, to not let goals in. Right. Whereas it looked like Miami C had a really interesting and good and fluid form of attack with lots of passing intricacy involved in it. If I, I would actually say um, that if Miami FC takes a defensive posture, they will lose this match, even if it's to the, the, the Inter-Miami B team. That's not overconfidence. It's actually the fact that that doesn't feel like the, the way that Miami FC should approach this game because Inter's biggest weakness, and we saw it today, is defending, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, it, look, I, will, do, do we really think, and let's be honest about who the, the, the typical Inter-Miami fans are. I'm one of them. We're pretty casual. We'll we'll follow a little bit of the MLS. We can't. We want to go see a, a good product on the field. That's not necessarily what you're going to get, but that's what you want to see, right? You want to see some of the the what you think is going to be higher level soccer um, that's being played. And so, do are these fans really going to be like, oh, well, there's this Miami FC thing, and it's ten minutes from my house. Look, I love it. it this, this is going to be a ten minute drive for me instead of an hour long drive for me. Um, but I'm but I'm not in that typical pool of like fans who are who are like normal and 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 don't know about Miami C, right? I would just I would just venture to say I think Miami C has a lot to gain in terms of publicity. I think Miami C probably has a lot to gain in terms of ticket sales and the ability to do some of that. But is it going to have a long term effect? Probably not. You know, um, do I think the game will be intriguing? Yes. Do I think the actual fans? You know the the folks who go to both games and are seeing the bands, those folks, do I think they're going to be into it much more than a normal game? Yes. Do I think the atmosphere will make for a better product on the field and off the field? Yes. But I, I just, I think, because I've been noticing this even in the conversations that we all have, you know, I think the Miami C folks are really fired up for it. 
that I think the Inter Miami folks are like, oh, we got to go play some other thing now, right? And that that's like that. It, there's just a difference in 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 how things are being measured. It's a great way for a team to lose. It's a great way for a team to end up being disappointed when you're just like, oh, I got to take my eyes off the ball and I got to go into the league or off the league um, and into a cup instead. But I do want to want to keep perspective around this. At the end of the day, I think Inter's goals are really looking f- forward into the future. Whereas I think Miami FC, this is their cup final. This is their big match. And I think that you're, you're probably going to see some of that intensity early on in the, in the match. My guess is it starts off really hot. Miami FC really pushing, really trying to, and Inter trying to, trying to adjust to that. And then Inter realizing, all right, we can, this is the level of intensity we need to rise up to. But I just think there's a difference in, in the level of prioritization between the two clubs. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with any of that, Franco. What I would say, though, is... I would disagree I, with a lot of that. Uh, well, fair enough. Oh, give me one second here. Uh, I do want to say that I think that Miami FC don't have to win everybody over that attends that game for this to be an enormous success for them. Like I said, even 2 3 4% of the people being like, oh, really? Like, wow. That's that can be a huge that can be a long term sustainable building kind of thing. But the second thing I wanted to mention is if I know anything about the Miami sports fan is they do not take kindly to humiliation. And humiliation can sting and stick. And the kind of where as you look at other communities and their sports and I'm not the one that says, oh, Miami's a bad sports fan. Miami sports fans are smart. Because they're not going to pay ownership to drag them around by the nose for years and years and years. I've I've always said that, yeah, Marlins Park should be empty. Because what you pay for is what you get if you're the owners. You know what I mean? And I want a good baseball team down here, even though I'm not a Marlins fan. I would be kind of a, an Orioles fan. But, you know, speaking of, like, not getting what you pay for. But, like, you know, people in Baltimore, they go see that team. They buy the, you know, because it's like you're they're the O's and you support them. That doesn't happen down here. And if, the, if Inner Miami humiliates their fans in this first matchup, that's something that people will remember. And that's something that will take a long time to fix. And that's something that where the, the, the honeymoon period, if it hasn't already worn off, it will wear off the honeymoon period. And I think that's oh, that the biggest honey, danger. If you're talking about the inner Miami honeymoon period, that's dead. That's, they're on, they're on the, the third therapist at this point. <laughs> well, no, but what I would say is I think if you, if you're looking at the, the core the 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 drumline folks the the chanters this the 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 real heartbeat of the environment if you're going to drag them to FIU stadium the opportunity to play in front of their home and then lose that's going to hurt that's going and especially for folks to go to Omar's point folks that supported this Miami FC team before there was an Inter Miami and those are the folks that would have supported Miami FC if they have made this jump to MLS and now they're going to be brought back home like they went off to college and then failed to launch. And then they're going to be showed in their face a loss in this open cup when Miami FC had given them Atlanta and Orlando, where like it's a very, it's a dangerous game for that particular segment. I don't think for most fans, it's going to make a difference because the most common response when you mention this is what the hell's the open cup. People don't know what the open cup is, but for people who really care to go through that kind of humiliation, if they were to lose or I think it it could present even larger problems than might already exist in this post honeymoon period that I'm talking about. Omar, I've taken up some of your time, so go ahead. 
in the pod before the pod in the conversation that happened uh, Wednesday night after Miami FC secured their victory against Miami United and Drew, who's not who's not here with us um, today, um, did mention us. He's like, you know, the the thing about it really is, is that, you know, you know, if you're Miami FC and you look at some of the people who have defected and, and they've gone now and they've gone now to 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 enter Miami and the stupidest decision that Miami FC ever made was decide with was to decide to play the first season that or that that 2020 season that first half of the season behind closed doors or was it 2021 I apologize the whole pandemic is a blur at this point but it was the first half of the 2021 season you decided yes. to shut it down and play it behind closed doors that was the stupidest decision Miami FC has ever made. And let me let me be very clear about something. And we've had a great relationship with Miami FC. There's been a lot of boneheaded de- uh, decisions made by that management and that front office since 2016. And that was the worst one that they've made because they allowed their fan base to defect. They allowed their fan base to then go and find live soccer experience somewhere else. And they found it. And they found it in Fort Lauderdale and they found it in inner Miami. And you know what? That team made the playoffs and that team was somewhat decent, even if it was an expanded playoff system. The definition of Pennywise and pound foolish. And you know what? Now you have now you have a team struggling for support, struggling for community support. Now, in their biggest game, in the biggest game in their franchise's history, in the club's history, is against is now on their doorstep in about 10 days. And what you need to do now is if you're Miami FC is you need to put the foot down. You need to get the alumni to come back if they give a damn about this club and talk to the guys in the locker room. I don't care if it's a Michael Hood. I don't care if it's a Mason Trafford. I don't even care if it's a fucking Brett Bernstein. You bring them in here and you say, this one is for all the marbles. This is for all of the respect that they did not get over the last five years and the respect that they deserve to have gotten. And they need this. They need this club. These twenty-two guys to show up on that Open Cup night and put in the respect for everybody who came before them and everybody who shows up still for the club till this day, for the Lees, for the Felipe's, for the Jose's, for the Caros, for the Eric's. Every single one of them who was left tried and true needs to have all of those players playing for them on that night. Because as you mentioned, you couldn't have put it into words any better. This is a college. This is a return home from college for a lot of those people who wore orange and blue, for those people who have Miami FC tattoos on their bodies. And now they're covering that up in that pink and black stuff. And now you have to come back to FIU. You have to come back to Ricardo Silva Stadium and play the club that you claimed to support for years and that you defected to. Okay, come home. Choose your colors wisely when you come home. Because if you take that loss, you don't hear the end of it. You do not hear the end of it, whether or not it's one week, whether or not it's one year, whether or not it's two years, whether Miami FC folds after the year's over, you don't wipe that egg off your face. That doesn't come off. That's permanent marker, baby. And and can I I ask like truly truly as like the stereotypical, like, look, man, I signed up to to go to Inter Miami because I I, want to see like a good team. As far as hell, it's a pain in the ass sometimes. I'll go, right? I'm a season ticket holder. This is year two. Why can't we have both? Why can't you, like, my kid has a Miami FC shirt. He, I like taking him there. It's cheap. It's easy. It's fun. It's, it's cool. I go, so you're, so I go you're, when I so you're a United to, and a City fan. So you're a United I and a City I don't fan. think, I, but I don't, I don't, they don't compete in the same division. 
And I'm more of a if you if you want to use a Manchester reference, that's fine. I'm an so FC United. So you're of, a I'm an so FC United a... of Man. I'm an FC United of Manchester fan, and I'm a Manchester United fan. They're 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 seven divisions apart or something stupid like that, right? They're just it's it's different. It's different qualities. I want to see both teams succeed. I want to see Miami FC do well. I want to see Inter Miami do well. Both all of that is good for our city. It is good for for our soccer scene. I don't think it has to be winner take home. I just like. I get I get that there's like some some personal dynamics and in, in amongst the fans and there's like some some heartache here but like why can't we have both why can't we have two successful teams that sounds great to me Frank oh, I'm go, go ahead, ahead Omar no go ahead go ahead uh, what I would say is this is very much this is something I've argued for for years uh, I in the United States we have a closed system uh, Miami FC is not going to MLS Inter Miami is not going to USL there's no structure for that to happen. And so I very publicly and proudly, I want to win the MLS Cup and I want to win the USL Championship. I want both. Why not both? Give me both. I want everything. Um, I would say that this is the one week a year. Uh, or I mean, you know, assuming that this matchup does happen because there's an element of draw to it. But this is the game that like, OK, well, now you got to pick. You do have to pick because they're going to be on the same field together and they are going to play. And. Yeah, I, I'm not going to be walking into Ricardo Silva Stadium with my Inter Miami jersey on. I'm just not. Uh, I'm I'm going to be rooting for Miami FC in that game. And if Inter Miami advances to the and next for, stage, and for folks that can't see you, you're already wearing the orange. So you're already it's true. I am wearing. <laughs> I totally uh, uh, did not plan that, uh, but it, I guess it, it communicated the message. Um, yeah, and if if Inter Miami were to win, I would very happily want to see them win the Open Cup. Right. And then I want Miami to win USL and I'd want Inter to win the MLS Cup, too. And I don't think it's going to happen, but I would like to see it. I would love to see it. It'd be amazing. But, yeah, I think this is the one week where it's going to be interesting because the fan culture, like I have made this argument before, Franco, and I have had plenty of people tell me, no, that's not how it works. And some of those people are people who have made the switch. Right. And it's like, well, what happened? What happened here? Like, I was the bad guy because I wanted to have my cake and eat it, too. But now this whole thing has happened. And so, yeah, there are some some interesting interpersonal dynamics at play, particularly among the fan base. I think there's a much bigger game Like you were talking about it. Like, this is the biggest thing for Miami C and Inter Miami. It's like they just got to get through it. I think I, I would say, obviously, for Miami FC fans, that game is up here. And for Inter fans who are not connected to Miami FC, who like just live in Palm Beach County and don't know anything about Miami FC, they don't really, they're like, whatever, wait, there's another team in Miami probably. And then, but there are these folks in the middle who it's going to, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to be put in this position. It's going to be fun. It's going to be super fun. I can't wait. Just as a neutral, just as like a fan of sport, it's just going to be so much fun to see. The problem this comes is- back to what I was saying the other day in, the, in, the, in our little chat, which was just, when people start seeing esta noche tenemos que ganar or vamos Miami, people are going to be confused as hell. Which which team is singing <laughs> which song? This is true. That's a good point. And, and let me preface my previous point by saying is that like I have an inner Miami hat. I have an inner Miami uh, quarter zip that that I wear. I, I wear it. I wear it when I'm working. I wear it out in public. Um, but as a former commentator from Miami FC, listen, I I'm with Matt. Right. I do. I want Miami. Do I want Inter Miami to succeed? A hundred percent. Do I want them to win the MLS Cup? A thousand percent. Will I be critical of that club? Yes. Um. Uh, Jesus, Franco. All right. 
<laughs> Thank God this chat can't be visible. We're uh, gonna have a Patreon, I, and people yes, can join I, the the Zoom chat no, no. as well as the podcast too. Dear, dear God, dear God. Pay for it, anyway, it's good stuff. Com- completely knocked me off my radar. Uh, yes. and what I was gonna talk about, but I, at the same time, too, being a previous commentator for Miami FC, these colors don't run, man. Like at the end of the day, if I if I have to wear one if i have to choose one club to go go for in this match it's gonna be it's gonna be the blue and orange and there's no way around it but i think what why i get so annoyed and why i get so emotional about this is we were sitting in the stands in 2017 doing prep work for us open cup where the people now oh god this bothers me to know it the people now who wear pink and black and cheer on in miami fc were yelling at the top of their lungs to fuck david beckham to like literally to the beat of one the Celia Cruz's one Tanamera. Like, do you understand the mental gymnastics that you have to endure to rationalize those two positions? Where when inner Miami is coming to fruition and, and Matt and I are talking, like, hey, you know, it'd be great because now we've got an MLS team, we've got a USL team, like you know, we we got a I'm sorry at the time an NASL team, we've got both, it's more opportunities for us, we get to expand, bah, 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 right? Looking at it from the business perspective, there are these guys sitting right next to us yelling, fuck David Beckham over and over again. And I'm looking at them like, stop it. Dude, what are you doing? There's cameras here, people are watching this. And, but, it was and literally now, at Tropical Park, like there were children around. Tropical Park, <laughs> and now they're sitting at Drive Pink Stadium, pretending none of that ever happened. Like, what? How? How do you? How is this surprise? How? Hold on, hold on. You're acting like this is some great surprising thing. Let's be honest. Sports fans do this all the time. All I don't disagree, time. Franco. I, I'm a, I'm a Red Sox fan, right? I had Roger Clemens on my team and then he went to the Yankees and I hated his ass. Like we do the mental gymnastics thing all of the time. I, well, we're not Christian talking about Pulis- a player, but we're but, not but talking it's about a player. It's the same concept. No, man. you're talking Christian, about an elite Christian, Christian Pulisic. I hope he breaks, breaks both legs during MLS during EPL season. But when it comes to the U S men's national team, I'm rooting for that guy to put 10 in the net every game. But right? it's like, different. Look, it's look, different. It's just, Sports fans, we're fickle. We move around. We we sue with whatever we need to in that moment. Things change. Things I think the, change, guys. I think the point that Omar would make here, Franco, is like if you had said while Clemens was a Red Sox that if he ever played for the Yankees, you know, you'd curse his name, and then he went to the Yankees and you bought a Yankees jersey. Yankees Clemens jersey. That, 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 that's yeah. the equivalent that, of this. That's the, that's the thing. And, again, if – I mean, I'm speaking for myself, I guess, like I am not viewing this in this way on Tuesday, but if I walked into Ricardo Silva stadium on that Tuesday night and I had on an inner Miami hat and a Miami FC Jersey, I'd smack that, the shit out of you. but that would be consistent with what I have said in the past, which is that I support both teams and I want both teams to do well. I, you know, it's like the Rob Lowe NFL hat. If I had walked in with that, right. When he was at that San Francisco <laughs> game, but yeah, like I would have been intellectually consistent over time where I had made a statement and I had followed through with it. But for people to be so strident in one direction and then eventually pivot in the other direction. And Omar, I, 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 I had brought this up the other night and I agree with it wholeheartedly. I there's some responsibility in all this happening too, because the, the idea of being a little bit slow on the uptake with, uh, with in-person fans returning I think really cost them. And I think it's, it's a hole they have had to dig out of. 
um, especially when they were putting on a better product. They were in USL. They had returned to the bigger stadium. They had done all this stuff. And then like, no, actually, we're going to hold off and save a few bucks to, you know, to try to just get through the end of the season. And ultimately, we're not in on all those decisions and we're not in on on all the machinations of, of finances and everything. But I, I think that there there is also a little bit of responsibility for Miami FC in this. But anyhow, I'm just I, I don't want to take away from the fun. I think it's going to be really fun. And uh, let's talk about this game. And I, I will say this out front, and it's not, I guess, a big, like, uh, you know, statement. I'm not going to say Miami FC is going to win, but I think if Inter Miami lets off the gas at all, I think if they play too weak of a B team, um, or if they're just unfocused, I think they will lose. I, I think oh, that I, they, I agree a hundred percent with that. I think they I, are um, vulnerable. I think Inter Miami is vulnerable. Look, I, I said well, in 2017. Right. And then, and, and Franco, I'm going to let you jump in in one second. So I do apologize. I know I spoke over you, but in 2017, when we, when we were discussing Miami FC going to Orlando and playing that match, I recorded a podcast by myself and I said, if Orlando plays anything less than their B team, anything less than their B team, the B minus team, the C plus team, the C team, if they play anything less than their B team, they're going to get a rude awakening. And what happened? They played the B-minus team. They played guys from Orlando City B. They didn't bring Kaká into the pitch until the 67th minute. I was going to say, they tried to upgrade halfway through, and it was too late. And they paid the price for it. Yeah, they clawed one back, but they paid the price for it. Does Inter-Miami have a – do I rate Inter-Miami right now where they have an A roster – and an A minus roster, a B plus roster, a B roster. No, I, I don't. I don't think that exists there at this point in time. Do they have a first team and do they have a second team? I do. If you're Inter Miami and you play your one and a half team, do you have enough talent to get the job done? Maybe, and maybe. And let me say why I say maybe because I don't know what to expect out of Miami FC side just as of yet. And Franco made a great point. That if Inter, if Miami FC decides all of a sudden to start playing a defensive shell in that game and not go attacking, Miami FC is going to be in for a rude awakening on that match. But if Inter Miami goes out there and decides to bring the guys from Inter Miami two up, the old Fort Lauderdale CF, they're in for a rude awakening. They're going to have egg on their face all night. And I'll, I'll just be honest, like looking at the results from from, from Miami FC. Whether it was Loudon, ten men Loudon ending up in a nil nil, whether it was the Colorado Springs switchbacks to beating Miami FC, there's not a whole lot on here that get, that that as a an, as an Inter fan makes me go, mm, we got to be careful with these guys. It almost really seems like, look, Miami FC will live and die by the sword that is Pierre da Silva, right? <laughs> if if he can be marked out of the game. It feels like a like a like a much easier game for Inter Miami if that happens. If he has a good night, interesting for a hell of a fight on that front. The one thing that I that, that I keep coming back to with Inter is, I actually I totally agree with you, Omar. I don't think there's like an A team and a B team. It feels like there's like two B teams right now for Inter Miami. That's just where we are, right? Like that's that's the reality of the situation. But I think if you're if you if you have some of the hungrier players. Um, and maybe like Gregory or a couple of folks like that, that might be enough to get by. But I do think if you have, if you, if you roll out the, the, the C team and some crap substitutes and maybe one or two good substitutes, maybe an Iguain off the bench, you're going to get your ass kicked out in a match like this, because there is a little bit of a grudge amongst the players. There is going to be a little bit of jealousy. 
And sometimes MLS players, especially foreign players, don't don't realize that until they're in their first couple of U.S. Open matches. Um, so that's that's the one warning sign I have. I also just don't think, look, based off of the, the results, based off of what we've seen so far this year, it doesn't feel to me like Neville makes great halftime adjustments. And so if in the first half you're going to be surprised or taken aback by the ferocity with which Miami FC potentially comes out with, and then you go into halftime, what do they do to change your system? Because so far, almost every match that I've seen, what Neville does is he switches to a more defensive system as the game wears on. Even today, we saw him go to five at the back, right? Yeah. You don't really, you don't really see a lot of movement um, around those pieces. And it's like for like substitutions fairly frequently as well. What does it look like when you actually have to have a more, uh, a more attacking set of substitutions from Neville at potentially at halftime? What does it look like if you're behind? And the other question to me really is, what does a two-striker system look like for, for, for Inter-Miami, where, where you're really having to go a little bit more gung-ho? What does that do for you at the back? Because I, I don't trust our center backs on that front. I think it could be a really interesting like tactical match on that front. But again, it really comes to me. The key here is what does Miami FC come out with? Because if they're defending, I don't, I, I don't think that's going to suit them well in the long run. Is there? You think there's any? Is there any benefit for Miami FC having Tony Pulis now within the organization, manning the tactics for this match, given that he was at Inter Miami just a year ago? Depends on how much the wind is blowing in Stoke. No, I mean, if you get that joke, you've watched way too much Premier League. Um, look, can I, can I just say one thing, though? At the end of the day, Tony Poulos is, is collecting a little bit of a paycheck here, and in, in the, both South Florida teams are, are guilty of this. What level of knowledge does he really have about Miami FC slash Inter-Miami? In the, you know, like, is he really paying attention to this? Because recently there were rumors he was going to go back to a championship side out in England. So, the reality is, like, where is his focus? How much input does he have in some of these tactics? And then, honestly, if you remember what Pulis ball was really like, it was defend, 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 hoof. And if that's, again, if that's what you're getting into with Miami FC, then I think it's going to be a good night for Inter. I do want to say this with just the 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 asterisk or footnote or whatever, that this is no indictment of Pulis. Uh, I do wish Paul Delgleish was managing this game. Oh dear God! I just because which is in the franchise still <laughs> because I do and and you know I understand that like those relationships tend not to last nearly as long as they did with Miami FC and go in different directions and and that seemed very it seemed generally amicable um, at the end that kind of both sides wanted to go but there would be absolutely no concern that the club would be walking onto the pitch Tuesday against Inter Miami understanding what the game meant. And that is, I think, that is actually a big question they have for for Miami FC. Is as you said, Franco, this is a, a man who, as of less than a year ago, was drawing paychecks from Inter Miami. And and the advantage is you know some of the plans likely that they might be trying to employ. But the downside is the, is the edge there, right? And and Omar, you've mentioned this before, where there aren't a lot of folks that remember the old battles still playing. For Miami FC that remember Atlanta, that remember Orlando, that None remember they're you not, know they're all gone. They're yeah. all gone. And so I, I I do there that is the I think the one concern is are are we potentially fighting shadows, whereas the guys hitting the pitch are just looking at this like a regular cup match. And if it is, then that's really unfortunate. I I, I do hope, like you said, Brett kind of calling up the echoes a little bit here. 
Um, because Miami FC, it's, it's history has been, they play down to competition in the open cup and they play up to competition in the open cup. And if they get a crack at a, at a first team side, they make them die. They, they don't just make them sweat. They make them sweat so much. They pass out. Like um, what Mike said, you put them to the sword. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm very intrigued by that in how Pulis looks at this match, in how Inter is going to look at this match. I don't think they can, if they had drawn Tampa Bay, dump it. You know what I mean? If they had wound up getting Tampa Bay, they would not care. I don't think they would care one whit, honestly. Um, they should because the Open Cup is wonderful, but I think they would have just been like, okay, well, let's just see what we can do and, 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 get, and it, sur- it survive and just move on to whatever's next. Now they do have this thing hanging over their head. It's like, oh, that would be really cool. What are the billboards going to look like if we lose this match? What are the, you know? <laughs> Frankel, is it weird that both sides look at this match as a winnable game? That if you're if you're in Miami, if you're in Miami FC's headquarters and you're in Inter Miami's headquarters, you're both thinking, all right, we can win this one. Like this, this is the one we can win, right? I mean, that that's got to be a weird feeling. I also just wonder what level of a pressure release today's victory was for Inter Miami. Like, let's be honest, like it, it, it yeah. But, but, you, how mean, is it a pressure even, release? You beat the team. You literally beat the second worst team in the conference. They weren't or, coming I, into the match. They weren't coming into the match today. They were, I think, four from the bottom. And look, at the end of the day, you just beat a Bruce Arena side, right? You just I mean, that does with, count for something. That, that counts for something. That does. You just that beat does. a side with Carles Hill, who is like he is one is he's just fun to watch. Like you, you, you could see it in, in bits and pieces here today. He's he's a really entertaining player to watch. I I just I, I do think though that. It was a pressure release. Look, man, you've, you're five, six games into the season. You don't have a win. That's very different than your seven, eight games in the season, but at least you just picked up your first victory. You're going to go on the road. You have a chance at another one. I think it, it lessens the intensity a little bit for, for Inter Miami. I don't think it's right to, but I think that they, they may they may feel that way. I do think it's That could benefit that, Miami FC. Yeah, like, no, I agree. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. To be Look, I, I always think that, in, in U.S. Open matches, this is like a Premier League. For those of you who watch the FA Cup or the Carabao Cup, particularly the Carabao Cup, every year you get upset. Go they, on. Whatever <laughs> it used to be, the EFL Cup now, whatever it's been changed to. Um, look, it, every year you see these upsets. Manchester United has fallen prey to quite a bit of these over the last decade. <laughs> Dear God, don't you know? mind me. <laughs> where, it's, where, where you just lose to these lower-seeded lower teams because you you start off with, with weaker players. You think by walking in there and bearing a badge with a higher level, you've got the game won. And if if Inter does that, they're, they're going to be dead on their ass because, quite frankly, they're not good enough to, to walk into. Much like my beloved Manchester United, they're not good enough anymore to walk, to walk into a stadium and have a game won. And, it, and, and what we've seen with Inter, we just saw it two weeks ago, when a team really goes toe-to-toe with them, they struggle to keep up that intensity for 90 minutes. I have, I've, today was the first time we saw a 90-minute match from an Inter-Miami side this season. Can they do that against another team who's going to be going hell for leather from the opening whistle? That's the question that I have. But I, I, I also just think it tells you something about Inter-season that they're like, hey, this is, this is finally a winnable game coming into it, as opposed to just saying we're going to win this one and we're going to move on. We can play our B team and we can do this. Well, so Atlanta United would be able to do this. I don't think Inter can do that. 
if you think we're done talking about this, we're not, right? We're going to have a whole set of, we're going to try, we have a lot of things in the works coming in this week leading up to this match. And there's going to be another podcast or two coming out with the full roster. Yes, the entire full Magic City soccer roster. They're going to be weighing in on their thoughts. We're trying to get interviews with Miami FC players in the past to kind of, you know, speak on, on, on what I mentioned just a few minutes ago, uh, see if they're willing and gracious enough to spend a little bit of time with us to, to relive the 2017 season and go from there. Um, but yeah, they even though, you know, as you can see, that this game is going to be heated. This game is going to be emotional. You know, I, I think it's emotional. Here's, here's the weird one. And Matt, and, and I think this is the funny thing too. I think it's emotional from the, from the supporter perspective, but it's not emotional from the player's perspective because I think you suit up your yeah. and think this is just another game, right? But for all of us, we're kind of looking here like, no, 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 this is not. This is not just another game. And we need you guys to understand that this is not just another game, right? Um, but you have to. You ha- if you're them, you have to approach it like it's just another match. It's just another 11 guys on the, side of, on the other side of the pitch. Omar, I think the best comparison I thought of, I, I love to do my cross-sport comparisons, and it's not perfect. But I, I really compare this match to a University of Miami, University of Florida football game. Where two teams wearing orange and blue? Where, yeah. Um, where there's a rivalry there, but the players don't really know about it because they haven't played. You know, where we, we University of Miami plays UF now every five or six years. So you only get one like game per cycle of recruiting. And so, like, they don't care. You know, Florida and, and Miami both care about – the players care much more about the Florida State game because you play them every year and you see them every year. Where these teams have not played each other, but the fans, the UM fans still remember the Florida flop, you know, with, with John Reeves. And the Gator fans still remember, um, you know, UM running it up in the swamp in, in what was 2002, I think, um, and Devin Hester and all that good stuff, right? It, it's, it's still seared in the mind of the fans. This is a game that if you know, if you're really, if you're not a casual, if you, if you have followed South Florida soccer and the, the narrative of it over the last decade, this is kind of the culmination of everything that has been possible, right? That you've kind of been dreaming about and thinking about in your mind. This is a really big moment for those people like us, but the players on the field don't know anything about that, right? None. Like they're just, they're just not, they're not going to relate to it. And so the only people I would say really that maybe have a chance of understanding it are people who are in the Miami FC front office who were there in 2016 and 2017. And to be honest, I don't know how many people are there. Daniel. Yeah. Daniel, (laughs) you know, it's going to be really important to Daniel, but like the inner folks there, a lot of them are out of towners. They're not going to understand this. The ownership, you know, they're not going to understand this. Uh, Ricardo Silva, I think he understands this. I, is I would it. love to talk I to him. To, I know oof. there's no way, but I would love to talk to him before this match. Cause hey, yo, Nico, hey, yo, Nico, pick up the phone. <laughs> Media requests. We're making requests via podcast. We have the, I would be really just five minutes like, yeah, so what do you think? Huh? What, what, what are you looking at in this one? Um, I, yeah, that's, you know, he uh, might, might need to, uh, might need to make an appearance to get the, the, the boys fired up. But yeah, it's it's this is really a game for the fans. I even more than the players, and it's the Open Cup, and 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 it's significant. But I the history of this competition overweights its significance for the players in it, right? And we know this: players always choose the league titles 
over the cup titles in the United States and then generally elsewhere too, but especially here, even though the Open Cup does have its, its storied history, this is for fans. This is for people that care about soccer. And that's why what it's going to look like at Ricardo Silva is so fascinating to me because there's going to be a game on the pitch, but there's also going to be a real competition in the stands about passion and about history here and about, about all the things that make sport great. And even though they don't know it yet, there will be pods coming out later this week. Uh, Abel Iraola is going to be making an appearance. Lee Efens will very likely Mm. be making an appearance. Uh, Joel Delgado is going to be making an appearance as well. Um, Drew is going to be back. Uh, We'll we'll find time. We'll get that one done. Because I I think this is, as you mentioned, right? Like for us who have been in, in, in the shit, in the thick of it since 2016, uh, through through everything through through thick hell and high water for for us for our family here at Magic City Soccer this this is akin to a Super Bowl per se right this this yeah. is this is akin to 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 the big game because when is this going to happen again we don't know right like this isn't this is not written in the cards this is not this may not happen again for many years and this is the one that we've been wanting for a long long time. And Omar, don't just make it 2016, you know, make it 2014 at Fado with Marcelo Claude and, you know, make it yeah. uh, 2008 yeah. with his uh, abortive effort with Barcelona to bring it in. Like th- this, this is a, a culmination of more than a decade, the idea of the Open Cup being contested and, and the fact that there, there are two M- Miami teams, put the Oakland Park thing aside, two Miami teams with Miami on the shirt, on the crest, going at it in front of Miami fans. It's, it's a dream. It's a dream. And and no matter what side you're uh, adopting for this match, and no matter what colors you're going to wear, it should be, it deserves to be a really cool night. And it, it's great that it will be in date. And it's great that it will be at Ricardo Silva. So if you guys don't already go ahead. The most interesting person that I would want to talk to this week is actually Ken Horowitz. I don't even know if he's still alive anymore to quite honestly. Uh, now, yeah. Owner. Original owner of the Miami Fusion, and like, how does he feel? He was the first person who uh, who saw the the who expanded and was the first new investor after the original franchises in MLS. That's the guy you want to talk to. What does he see? How does he see these two different um, um, people operating? These two different teams operating. How does he see this, this market growing? That's that's the most interesting person that I think uh, is there to be talked to this week. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be very part and partial of that after MLS took away his team. Uh, so if you think about it, I, I, I don't know if that's a conversation he wants to have. But I mean, we can, you know, screw it. I'm going to send an email tonight. Mr. Horowitz, sir. Hi, I hope all is well. Uh, so uh, if you guys are, are not aware, there's an Open Cup match on Tuesday, April 19th at 640 between Miami FC and Miami. Tickets are available online. Miami FC is the host. Thus, you do need to go to MiamiFC.com to get your tickets. Tickets are a whopping <laughs> ten dollars i don't even know what you're gonna get more paying for your buck anywhere this season i mean i just paid eighty dollars for uppers for the florida panthers second playoff home game in the first round so god help me uh, Look, but yes. parking parking at inter miami costs 30 bucks so you can take three people into the game for the cost of parking your damn car and that's before and, uh, we talk about gas yeah, we're talking about that four dollar gallon gas. You know what I'm saying? So ten dollars is going to get you in the door. Um, you know, there's going to be beer specials. There's going to be food specials. You're going to be in Westchester. You're going to be at FIU. You know, campus is open. Food options are open. I mean, 
really everything's open. There's no excuse not to be there, especially if you're still listening to this. Get your tickets today, um, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I think uh, it is. It's going to be a really exciting two weeks here. Really exciting period of time for us personally for, for the soccer scene, and, and it's just it's it's going to be damn fun. So I think that's a uh, a wrap on this discussion tonight. Uh, Franco, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for bringing your inter insight as always. Thumbs up! Yeah, I realize that wonderful that for an audio. Up. <laughs> yeah, a thumbs up in an audio uh, uh, medium does not necessarily function, it turns out. Who knew? Who knew? Always great. Um, for the audio description purposes of the podcast, Franco did give a thumbs up to affirm that he heard my praise. And uh, Omar, thank you, uh, as always, good sir, for organizing this and, and doing all the good work. Time to go change some diapers, baby. Time to go change some diapers. Amen to that. Um, Look forward so, to that for a long time, buddy. Yeah. So uh, until next time, I've been Matthew Bunch. And on behalf of Franco Calise, let's say go enter Miami CF. On behalf of Omar Mubaye, let's say go Miami FC. And as always, for my flip-flopping ways, go Miami soccer. I don't even know what the outro audio clip here is. I, don't, I, I just, I don't know. Question mark. <laughs>